today's episode of Title Lines Live, we are very excited to have with us our General Counsel Compliance Officer, Maria Della Georgia. Maria has been in the title space for over three decades, pretty impressive, and brings with her a wealth of knowledge about the legal and compliant nuances necessary to form and sustain rest compliant joint venture title operations or just title operations in general. Thank you for joining us today, Maria. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for the warm welcome. Three decades sounds like an awfully long time, doesn't it? I still think it's over 30 years, Maria. It sure does. Seems impossible being that you're only 34 years old. Yep. Maria, for many real estate professionals, owning a title and escrow company might make sense because the two just are really symbiotic in terms of a relationship. One needs the other to be able to be successfully completed. And Oftentimes, brokers are looking for ways to either own their own or invest in a title company. What are some things that they might not be considering when evaluating whether this is the right decision for them that they should be considering? That's a good question. And I'll give you some headlines to think about rather than giving you the thorough answer, which which would take hours and hours, if not days and days. Some things to think about when considering whether you want to jump into the title space with us, with anybody, if you're a real estate broker, would be what's your real expertise and how much capacity do you have to learn the nuances of something new, the nuances of a deeply complex and highly regulated industry? The title and settlement industry is regulated very heavily on the national and local and state levels. And depending on how many states, counties, localities, and districts you may be operating in, those regulations can be very burdensome in which to comply. So our legal and compliance efforts for, and for most title companies tend to be very robust to assure that we can operate fully. We meaning any title, any successful title company, The other thing is that as agents of nationally recognized and publicly traded title underwriters, a great breadth and depth of expertise is required just to become a licensed and approved agent of those title underwriters. Most most real estate companies will need to have someone that they employ or with whom they might consider partnering that brings at least two decades of expertise to the table. Underwriters are very hesitant to approve new entrants into the market who don't have already proven expertise in running title companies. So those are the the top of the mind challenges for what might be a difficult obstacle to overcome. Now, the natural synergy of course is with selling real estate and successful real estate enterprises comes, well, if we're really good at selling real estate, wouldn't it be a natural synergy and opportunity to also offer an exceptional experience with a trusted partner right at the table? And that's, of course, where the magic happens in our our typical niche, where we sit down and we're able to partner with real estate brokerages and offer that, that that experience that matches the culture and the offerings and the high touch, high technology customer experience that we intend to and actually offer across the nation. Does that 
answer your question? I think it does, Maria. I think it does. What else do you think our listeners want to hear about? You know, I'm glad we had the shooting version, Maria. Thank you. But uh, you, you always work at a, a very nice cycle from a, from a regulatory standpoint. I would say, you know, of course, what is your overall, what is your reason for coming into the space? We know that the brokerage industry, uh, we know that, uh, that, that that profits have been com uh, compressed as of late, um, not as of late, that's been a, a historical trend. And <clears throat> your reason going in, and you have to also consider um, how do you want to do this? Uh, there are a couple of choices, um, depending on the size, of course, and your breadth of knowledge, as you mentioned, Rand. You want to go in, you want to look at, and perhaps uh, take a chance and hire people and, and do the company yourself, or do you want to look to partner with somebody? And then, of course, you have to go through a different process to figure out who's going to be your best fit on that front. Then, of course, you have to figure if you're a real estate brokerage, uh, what are you going to do? What's going to be the benefit to your agents? Are you going to do it for purely from a, a brokerage level, or are you going to include the agents? What methodology would be associated with that? And just really back into it, just to sort of find the whys to help really protect your company. We know that the real estate industry has changed dramatically, uh, especially through COVID with, with agents not being in offices as much. And we see that brokerages, just from our perspective, are looking for ways to help keep their, uh, their agent population very close to them. And many will use this tool if they go into the title space as both a recruitment and a retention tool. Absolutely. Maria, when somebody's doing due diligence to determine who they're going to partner with or who they're going to use as their entree into the title space, what are one or two things that they might want to ask in conversation with prospective partners or vehicles for entry? Title and settlement service providers, we, a real estate broker and operator is certainly going to want to ask about how long have you been doing this? With whom have you been doing it? And ask those in the community where that operator has operated. If regardless whether you hire somebody or choose to partner with a company like ours or others who provide joint venture or some sort of other affiliated arrangement, those questions are absolutely critical to understanding what is normal, usual, and customary for your particular model? How do you approach the customer? How long have you been in this space? Do you have claims against you? Do you have any lawsuits pending? And what? how many transactions can you handle? Um, there's the technical side, and then there's what I call the artistry of our practice. It, it's not black and white like the law. It, there's, there's this whole area that we swim in that's actually pretty gray. So there's the science and the, and the technique of examining title and clearing title. Then there's the artistry of exceptional customer service. And in the middle of it are, is our title and settlement services. What, how are you going to, you might ask a prospective partner, how are you going to swim in that gray space with us? Will you match our culture? Will you integrate yourselves as you, as you seek to service our customers, meaning our real estate customers who are buyers and sellers, what will you do to assure that your level of service, Mr. Title Producer, Mrs. Settlement Officer, how will you assure that your employees are going to match us step for step in how we execute our business? So part of it's a cultural conversation 
that's kind of in that gray space that's neither neither technical nor nor something specific you can put your finger finger on and part of it is really as i said kind of this artistry of really understanding how the how it's going to be executed the strictly technical side you want to look at financial financials and history in the marketplace and those will be questions that will be asked in the underwriting application you want to ask how quickly can you get up and running because realtors and brokerages are notoriously impatient. Um, they're also very, very quick. They're entrepreneurial. Will you roll up your sleeves and, and get this done quickly for us? Uh, agency applications can sometimes take six to 12 months to be completed. Uh, someone who's really good at starting a title agency might be able to accelerate that process. So how quickly can you get it done? Can you get it done early and often? So it, th those kinds of questions are, and licensing and bond coverage, insurance policy coverages, the business aspect of the questions, you want to just be sure that you're protected and that the, the business documents have also been vetted for compliance, uh, both in terms of state regulatory requirements as well as federal. Thank you, Maria. You know, we're having conversations with prospects who are evaluating options one of the situations that inevitably comes up is, well, why don't I just partner with the guy down the street that has a retail title company? What are some challenges from your perspective that you've seen in people who go that route rather than partnering with somebody who specifically focuses on partnership? Yeah, invariably, that's that's pretty much always going to happen because you generally want to do business people with people that you know and have done business with in the past. Um, what we have seen as far as a challenge, it doesn't really matter which company you're talking about, is that there's a distinct difference between um, having a title and escrow company and having a partnership company. There are two totally different types of mindsets. Um, one is one's not right and one is not wrong. They are, they are just different. Our experience is that, and we did try this uh, actually several decades ago, where we were actually doing both. Uh, we were both a, what I'm going to say, a retail title company. And we also entered the, the title partnership space. What we quickly found out was that we could not be the master of both and that we were somewhat being disingenuine um, to one side versus the other. Um, so our business, although our end product for us specifically is title and escrow, our business is the partnership business. And there, there really is two totally distinct differences between the two. Um, so with that, just step back and whatever your area may be, it's just objectively look at who can best handle my business needs? And you, you have to go back to, you know, one thing that we always share when we're, we're having conversations with prospective partners is um, is really what, 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 what's the why? And it'll, and it'll tell you a reason or two. And you have to work through that. Um, but I always recommend this, that regardless of your volume, and many of the people that we've seen in partnerships have plenty of volume to take a different path than ours. Uh, but the recommendation, and I'll always throw back to them, is stick with what you do best. Sometimes people are, I shouldn't say sometimes, often people see shiny objects and say, well, that's the best. It's the shiniest, it's the biggest, it's the brightest. What would you say are the top one or two red flags people should be aware of where maybe if it looks too good to be true, it might not be the best the best fit for them from a compliance standpoint? Well, it that that's an interesting that's an interesting analogy with the shiny objects. I we all love a shiny object and the the hot new thing that the market might be buzzing about. And to Jim's point, I having a little bit of experience in the title industry, 
it really has provided a unique perspective. And Jim and I perhaps share this mindset that a few years ago, it was considered a good idea to be really good at a lot of things. So maybe to be a great generalist, maybe to be a little bit of an underwriter, a little bit of a retail operation, also a little bit of a of an affiliate or in the joint venture or partnership space. I think what I heard Jim to say and what I would say is the bright white flag, perhaps the opposite of the red flag, is look for the hyper specialist. When somebody's trying to be a generalist, to be a little bit good at everything, they tend to be not very good at anything. So when you find, as you're evaluating partners, that one of two things might be happening, well, I'm really tremendous in the partnership and joint venture space, and frankly, that's all I do. I will not hang out a retail shingle and operate as a competitor against you. That might be one red flag. A second red flag might be evaluate the financials with a 10x, I just started wearing glasses a few years ago, a 10x magnifying lens. So I may need like 30x magnifying lenses to look at those financials very carefully, make sure that those are compliant with what's normal, usual, and customary. So those would be the, the, the shiny red objects. And if it sounds too good to be true, read the documents. The documents that support the relationship have to be written in a way that's understandable because no matter, just like any real estate transaction, forget what's being said verbally with a handshake, a wink and a nod, actually read the contractual agreements because the truth is usually in writing. So yeah, Maria, I would just expand or just add a, a little bit to that is that sometimes I would say that from a, uh, a non-title person, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and the rules have been very specific in the title insurance industry with regard to RESPA as to things that really have to be there regardless of the state or the county that you operate business in. Um, an obvious red flag to me, uh, an outsider, and, and maybe the person who's doing the relationship uh, sees the benefit, is if there's very, very low capitalization or no capitalization, bad thing. If you look at financials, uh, and from a, a Client standpoint, but not certainly from an investment standpoint. Uh, if you were to look at financials and you were to uh, hypothetically, if you're, if you're going to do a joint venture and you don't see direct employee expenses, that's going to be another really bad thing. That means that somehow, some way, those expenses are being funneled somewhere else. So, you, in essence, have a sham venture and you don't even know it. So, what I would say with that is just step back, um, check the track record of whoever you're. Uh, looking to go into business with, I would have a third party just simply bet both the pro forma and the operating agreement to see, is it a real company or not? Those are very good points and absolutely spot on. I, I love your interest and, and commitment to compliance. I think the last thing I'd like us to just touch on today for a moment is, you know, people are going into this space because they want to receive some type of payment. And so let's talk about some compliant ways to receive money from a title operation, whether you own it or it's a partnership, and some ways that are probably less than compliant that our listeners should just be mindful of if presented an opportunity um, that might be less than compliant. Who wants to jump in on that? I'll, I'll jump in. There's really, today there's only as far as ways they can go get into the business. There's three, but I've only really seen two aspects. Number one would be 
to uh, take a chance and just establish a company by yourself. If you had the resources and you had the personnel to operate the company, that would be a call, call a wholly owned entity. Uh, number two would be to uh, would be to do some sort of marketing services agreement, which they they, they really they came out in favor. I'm going to say five, six, seven years ago, where where many of the people in the marketplace simply vacated those because they were just so ambiguous and so gray. Uh, you see a lot of them, um, so I share that as, as being a potential option. And then the third would be to do a, a bona fide partnership, sort of setting up some sort of legal entity whereby you had ownership in the company and poor services were being performed. Marie, if somebody was evaluating an opportunity where they were going to get paid a transactional fee for every file they send to the title company, they'll get paid X. From a legal compliance standpoint, what would you advise them? Run as fast as you can a way that is absolutely not compliant. Steve has to jump up, jump and leave in 20 minutes. Should we move over to him? I think so. I was just going to bid you farewell after you Okay, we'll let I will allow you to do that, and we'll let post recording clean up, mash up the editing. So, Maria, if I'm hearing you correctly, variable, not good, bona fide distributions paid on equity in the company—that's the lane that you really should be swimming in. Absolutely, Maria. It was a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you for taking the time to join both Jim and myself, and to share with our listeners a little snippet about some of the legal and compliant things they should be aware of when looking to enter the title space. It's my pleasure as always. Thank you both. Thank you, Maria. Thank you. Thank you everybody for joining us on this episode of Title Alliance Live. For more information about Title Alliance, please visit our website at www.titlealliance.com. If you're looking for an opportunity with us, please visit our career site at www.titlealliancecareers.com. Title Alliance produced this podcast with the help of the marketing team at Bow Digital. Be sure to look out for our latest episode released each month. Subscribe to our podcast today on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and other major listening apps.